Hello, I am mischievous Mark Giannacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which do not count, but I also own Amazing Fantasy number 15, the very first appearance of Spider-Man and his origin story, and I think that, of course, counts, so whatever, my collection's great. Anyway, over to you, other person. I, I can't argue against any of that. Uh, <laughs> what I can say definitively is that I'm Dapper Dan Gavostin. I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which I say count, and I believe I had before you. But for me, Amazing Fantasy 15 remains a fantasy, and therefore I do have to concede the crown to my co-host, mischievous Mark Janakio. And what else do we got to say, Dan? I'm sorry. I was just basking in your glory. Let it in. Um, Let it in. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. Thanks for joining us for our review episode of the latest issue of Amazing Spider-Man on Amazing Spider Talk. If you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and or future, subscribe to Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app and leave us a review and help spread the word about our show. Dan, the other place where people can find out about our show and Spider-Man past, present, and future is, of course, our Substack, which is our brand new uh, adjunct to the Amazing Spider Talk podcast. It is the Amazing Spider Talk Substack. That is where you're going to find things like bead book reviews and comic book nostalgia and questions from the readers and listeners of our show. Uh, What else can you tell people about the Substack Dan? Well, mainly that they should subscribe. Go to amazingspider.substack.com. It'll give you a place to subscribe, and then you never have to think about it again. Just like a podcast, one subscription is enough, and then it'll start showing up in your email and in your Substack app. Back to the podcast, though. This podcast and all the things that Mark and I do, including the Substack, exists because of the support of our Patreon members. If you want to receive early episodes, exclusive artwork, and keep our podcasting going, go to AmazingSpiderTalk.com and consider joining our Patreon. But today on the show, Mark and I are going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 6, number 37. This issue was written by Zeb Wells. The cover artwork is by Ed McGinnis and Marcia Menez, and the interior artwork is also by Ed McGinnis, joined by Emilio Lizo, inks by Mark Farmer. Wade Von Grawbadger makes his triumphant name 
Redebut. The greatest name. Ed McGuinness, the greatest <laughs> name. We've got Colors by Marcio Menez and Eric Arsenega. And of course, Letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. This issue was first released on November 8th, 2023. Mark, we got a sh- we got a short time to do this. Get back to our rec rack recap of Amazing Spider Man number thirty seven. I'm gonna miss it when we can't call it that anymore, Dan. We open with the repossessor paying Peter Parker a house call, except. At the exact same moment, Randy Robertson is knocking at the door looking for Peter so he can hook him up with that wall crawler fella he hangs out with. Well, anyway, the repossessor gets a knowing look and after uttering the word collateral, attacks Randy to set us off onto Wreck Rap. Story time adventure. Wreck Rap is fighting Kraken the Hunter who wants to marry Wreck Rap alive. Wreck Rap corrects him to bury but zeb wells and nick lowe those anti-marriage zealots know what they're doing here right uh (laughs) during the fight we even get a well-placed look out which also proves that wells and lowe study our podcast way too intently let's kick it over to dan and his conspiracy board what does look out mean here dan well you see lowe must have known that i was on the lookouts from the spencer run so here he's clearly telling me that I was in the right to notice them and that I should, quote, look out, unquote, for more lookouts in the future. I'm on to you, Niccolo. Don't think I've let the trail go cold. I'm waiting for the big Captain Stacy reversal moment in the pages of this title. I see you. Look out! Anyway, as it turns out, Recrap is actually recalling the time that Repossessor absorbed Kraken into his hellmouth. And Peter is like, hey, that seems brutal. But as someone who is now best friends with Norman Osborn, I can kind of justify this as a way to send people back to limbo. So just shut up about it. Wreck Rap wants to get into another story time adventure. And Peter tells him to just get on with it. And now I know Marvel is studying our podcast, especially my recaps of their comics, because wouldn't it just be nice for someone on the show to give a straight up synopsis of a story? <laughs> of course not. What's the fun in that, Dan? Wreck Rapper calls the licking of the side of the apartment building thing, which leads him to have a lead about the repossessors Attic and Queens. And Dan, I'm tempted to kick it back over to you and your conspiracy speculation board, but I'm going to resist. Right on cue, Norman Osborn bursts into the scene and he seems even more dismissive about rec rap than he was about otto's arms he's also dismissive of the fact that he's a proven murderer and overall sociopath but somehow that's less damning to oscorp's profitability than being seen interacting with rec rap right i mean you know the fortune 500 company Anyway, that brings us over to Limbo, where Madeline Pryor is chiding the repossessor about not having wreck rap by now, and for being distracted with his little side quest, she utters a warning to not confuse the two. I bet you that won't factor into anything. Anyway, since we get a major event coming in less than a month, we interlude over to Long Island City, which is not actually a part of Long Island, but is on the same landmass as Long Island. Think about that, people. I'm going to leave you with that. While you're doing that, 
Hammerhead's talking about bumping off Count Nefaria's daughter, Madame Mask. Thank you for the Magia genealogy lesson here, Marvel. I forgot about all that. Anyway, right on cue, Nefaria shows up, and I'd like to use this interlude as an opportunity to point out how utterly silly it is for a crime boss to be sitting there in tights and a cape, okay? It's just, it's dumb. Okay, anyway, Nefaria is all like, that's right, I put Hammerhead up to murdering my daughter because you'd never expect it, and that makes me think even more that Madame Mask did not die. And Dan, do I even want to kick it over to you again and hint at it? No, I'm going to keep going. Got to keep this thing moving or I'm going to be like Wreck Rap. No time for conspiracies. Wreck Rap is solving mysteries. So Spider-Man has no interest in Wreck Rap's attic mysteries, basically echoing my feelings about this. And he drives Wreck Rap out into the middle of the woods and opens the car door and tells him that this is his new home now and to get out. Or at least that's kind of like my emotional reaction to the scene. Anyway, it's further accentuated by the repossessor coming to take poor, sweet Wreck Rap away. So now, selfish Peter gets back to his apartment and notices that things are quite astray. And that then he notices Randy's cell phone and now he cares about the repossessor of the attic. What a jerk. Spidey swings his way over to the attic in Queens while we get a glimpse of Wreck Rap traveling down the demon's mouth chute into Limbo's Limbo with the rest of his supervillain rogues gallery. He's told there that he's never getting out, and good thing it's just a minor character like Wreck Rap who's been banished there, but wait. Spider-Man shows up in the attic looking for Randy, and he's caught by surprise by the Repossessor, and before he can get a leg out, the Repossessor attacks and swallows him whole banishing him to the same hellmouth that all the other lost souls belong to. Clearly, there is no way for Peter to get out. What a way for Amazing Spider-Man to end. Rest in peace, Peter. Uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about in this episode, Dan, since this is all over, but why don't you take it away? I swear, Mark, if I played that recap back to myself like six months ago, I think I would have thought that you had lost your mind um, because it just sounds like a bunch of insanity, which is funny. Like, I don't think that this issue is packed full of plot. No. But boy, when you lay it out there, there's a fair amount happening or at least to be explained. Getting to the discussion, Mark, uh, Last issue ended with the repossessor acknowledging that he knew Peter Parker's identity. So it's a kind of a sort of a promise that this story would turn more personal to Peter Parker. And right out of the gate, we see the repossessor in Peter's apartment attacking someone close to him. Given the goofy nature of the previous issue, was this issue able to fully invest you in this light interlude adventure between Wreck Rap and Spider-Man before we get to gang war? I honestly, Dan, absolutely not. This is like, I mean, like they're, they're maybe they're doing some heavy lifting here in terms of like it's personal now because Randy's involved, but like the stakes seem it's almost like the stakes are so absurdly high that they're not high at all. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm not buying any of this. You know, hence my my very melodramatic uh, read of the finale there. Like this, this, this is like. Clearly, there are like caveats and and trap doors galore being laid out in the story itself in terms of like how, you know, how, how's PD and Rec Rap going to get out of this? 
oh, nevertheless, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just, it's just never going to happen. Like, like, this is not how it ends, Dan. Maybe because I just don't buy this as being truly dramatic and, and as, you know, dire as maybe it would seem on the page. I don't think this really got personal or, or real in any kind of way. It's still just very absurd and very irreverent. I mean, it's not to say I don't like it per se, but it, it's not, it, this is cotton candy uh, for lack of a better well, phrase. Well, that, that, that brings up an interesting point, which is like, you know, I guess it's important for any book to have clear stakes if we're if you tr- treat as like some people on the internet do every Spider-Man book as the potential final Spider-Man book, you know, I'm getting flashbacks to like amazing Spider-Man 700, you know, where it's like Peter's dead. Wink, wink. We'll never see him again, you know? And I like that Nick Lowe in the letters page here, and he's done this many times before where he just treats the cliffhanger ending as if it were, a matter of fact cliffhanger ending like, yeah, Peter definitely got eaten by a demon is now dead. And it's the end of amazing Spider-Man. And yet we all know it's not how we weigh each individual story seems to have some variance, you know, like amazing Spider-Man 700 felt like the end because the stakes had been built up to that. And not every story needs those stakes. In fact, I would find that fairly exhausting. And so this is pretty light. So then the question is like, okay, it doesn't have those stakes. It may not be as personal as we might want, you know, every issue of amazing Spider-Man to be, but then does it succeed on its own merits, right? Or its own particular goals in which the case I would say this is used trying to be a little bit of a mystery, uh, like a bit of a comedic adventure and a sort of fourth wall breaking exercise to just kind of clean your palate before gang war. And does it succeed on those uh, expectations? What do you think? It's very hard to get too invested in something that's just patently absurd. I think that's what it boils down to for me. It's like, you know, there, there, there is a line. And I think this has kind of crossed that line in terms of like, you know, we, we, you know, I refer to the last issue as being a bit of a palate cleanser coming off of the, the, the Craven, the Hunter storyline that was very dark and kind of introspective in terms of Peter and what he was going through. The Doc Ock storyline was kind of similar coming off of the uh, Miss Marvel death of uh, storyline. In this instance, it's like, like, I mean, if I'm being completely real here, this feels like I know we're going to get one more issue after this one before Gang War kicks off. All the same, this feels like about an issue and a half comics worth of plot that is being dragged into three issues. It's like I, I'm, I'm, I'm already, you know, we're we're now two issues in, and the fact of the matter is, about halfway through this comic, I was kind of done uh, with the storyline, and 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 I don't. I don't feel anything about the twist and and the ending here changes that that makes me invested. Like I know this is a farce, you know, there are breadcrumbs galore about how this is going to be reversed between some of Madeline Pryor's stuff and just general, like, you know, having read comics for umpteen years. I know what's going to happen here. Like I don't, like I said a few minutes ago, I don't buy it for a second. And the fact is the characters involved here, you know, you, you brought up Amazing Spider-Man number 700 and, you know, 
let me just say, you know, in case it needs to be said, there was a big difference between a, a fight to the death with Doc Ock, you know, one of Peter's very, you know, well-known and, and well-respected adversaries and the demon that we think is the, the bill collector from uh, earlier in this run, swallowing him into him into some kind of hell mouth where he's going to be joined by rec rap and um, the, uh, what is it? The, 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 it's not the sinister six. It's the, uh, uh, I, I forget what, I already forget what, what Zeb called them. Yeah, it's like the ghoulish six. I, I'm thinking of like the maybe it's the ghoul goblin. I'm thinking. Yeah, of yeah. You, yeah, the grave goblin. Anyway, point being, grave it's goblin. Like, yeah. This is this is like this. This feels like a spider ham story. Which maybe by the time this comes out into our main feed, we will have talked about spider ham in our uh, series episode of Amazing Spider Talk. But the fact of the matter is, this is this is so silly and so irreverent and so disconnected from reality. If there is such a thing as reality in superhero comics that like, no, like this doesn't, this doesn't pass muster for me. Like it's, it's, this is like, I don't, I don't dislike it because at the end of the day, this is still kind of silly and dumb and not like, like so dumb that like I'm bored by it. But, but also this is just like, I, I I have zero in you know zero investment here. There are zero stakes for me. And the sooner we get to this and into gang war, where there's clearly big stakes at uh, simmering, the better for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned kind of turning off after the first half, and I feel the same way because my big problem with this issue is not even the silly low stakes tone. It's that it's like the framing of the story. I feel like is all backwards, like. The reader and Spider-Man are ahead of the story for the first half of this issue. Like the first half of this issue feels like a rec rack recap. Like he's like, hey, I fought crack and the hunter and I thought the Mary line was funny and all of that stuff. But it's like, yeah, we already know that the repossessor is eating these guys like and so much of this issue is him telling that story and like, hey, we're going to go to the attic again and again and again. And it's like, yeah, we get it, you know, and especially if you were a smart reader of the previous issue and noticed those details, as we discussed in our last episode, none of this will be particularly shocking. And so like even Spider-Man is like, get on with it, Rec Rap. And it's like, OK, like, you know, and, and then add on top of that, which is like it's really hard for the reader to distinguish like what Spider-Man's stakes are in this because it seems like the repossessor is following Madeline's instructions, right? Like go out, eat these things and send them back to limbo. And like, should we feel bad about that? I don't really know. I felt like the last issue did a good job of kind of placing rec rap as a vigilante that was doing his own thing, but that really never got developed much here until we get to the very end of this issue where even then they kind of like spell out that like the repossessor might be kidnapping humans and taking them to limbo. But if that was the case, that should have been the threat and the stakes all along rather than our fear about whether or not, you know, these various sinister six incarnations are getting sent back to limbo because frankly shouldn't they be yeah you're the voice of peter here which is like rec rap like 
go back. You know what I mean? But, um, but you know, we're supposed to care about rec rap here, which, you know, your mileage may vary there, but like, you know, but like to your other, I, I like rec rap, but then like, you know, you can do the silly character that also happens to be kind of like, right. Yes. But we need to be in rec raps perspective and seeing why he's right. And no one will listen to him. And then, I mean, and to your other point about like, you know, is the repossessor taking, you know, humans and bringing them back. The fact of the matter is like, again, like in terms of the breadcrumbs that I feel are being laid there, which makes this very low stakes. I mean, like Madeline has that scene with him where she's just like, you know, you better not be getting caught up with your side quests. I mean, it's like, you know, there's the threat, you know what I mean? So like we, 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 we have the caveat for all of this right there, you know, like whatever, whatever is ultimately going to happen when, when, when it gets revealed that this guy has, Randy and Peter and God knows who else in his little limbo limbo area. She's going to be like, no, you have to send them back. That wasn't the deal. It's the deal Madeline made with with Eric Adams. So she's got to stay with it. You know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) sorry, I'm I'm blurring the lines here. But uh, what 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 do you what do you think of Rack Rap himself as, you know, we we, we talked about famously, obviously, we're getting more rec rap than either of us could have ever have imagined. And yet I think in the last issue, we were kind of still in on the joke. Are we still in on the joke? I still think he's very funny. I think there's real potential for him to be funny. And I think if he's in his own thing, I would a hundred percent read an Ed McGinnis rec rap B title, you know, but I also think that Zeb Wells isn't quite sure what to do with him as much in this issue as he was in the previous one. A lot of the jokes here feel like repeats and the visuals as well. We get like the return of the trench coat and it's like, okay, yeah, that was funny. But like the, the appeal of rec rap is only going to be what new weird thing can you get him to do? And it's like, okay, web winging is still funny, but it's not as funny. And so like, you have to constantly be adding new weird things, you know? And like people boxes is kind of funny. I love the man spider or man size spider is equal to third, the strength of 13 tunas. Like it's funny, but it's not, entirely new enough to make me like still want more. And, you know, like, especially on its like second issue of the story, it's like, you should still be like throwing fastballs at this point. If this idea has enough staying power. I mean, even the story time adventures, as funny as they were, it was like, I felt like an opportunity to take the visuals in a whole weird, different way. And I just felt like, okay, we did a coloring gimmick which is fine, but not quite as like far as I would want it to go. And, you know, even Ed McGinnis, like as much as he loves drawing rec rap and he even does some really cool images here that play off of Romita senior references. And you can, if you look carefully, he writes after Romita um, in a couple of the panels here that are direct references to classic Romita panels. But like, even he feels like he's kind of running out of ideas in, in this comic for for rec rap, yeah, I, 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 you know, I said a few minutes ago, it feels like Spider Ham. I stand by that. Like, you know, we'll 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 talk at length about Spider Ham and 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 whatnot in this season of Amazing Spider Talk. But the fact of the matter is, like, I feel like the these are characters and gimmicks that 
are effective in very small, limited doses. And we're, we're just exceeding it. You know, like I, 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 you know, like even, even when, yeah, web, web hanging, (laughs) I'm still laughing at it, but like, it's, it's, it's full, full belly laughter is now becoming a chuckle, which will by next issue become a, You know what I mean? It's just like it, like every every iteration, it gets less and less, and we're we're just we're getting past it. You know, like 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 we're we're running out of laughs. That's the bottom line. I I I I, I you know I, I I don't see the longevity here at all. <laughs> I I do. I am ultimately glad that we're getting an additional rec rap story here to at least firm up like who and what he is, if he were to be something down the line, or like. Even just to like say like if I were to say I like rec rap, that initial story was still shaky enough that I don't feel like I could really tell you what the appeal of the character was. And here at least I'm like, okay, like I get the conceit of rec rap. And I know we wrote it in our sub stack. I'm like, I don't get Spider Boy. I feel like I get rec rap more than I get Spider Boy. But I similarly am like, okay time time for you to go like uh like i i want to get back to the stories of peter parker and so that that's kind of how i i feel uh about this so yep anyway yep i'm with you all right well i bet you there's a place where we can talk about rec rap and and spider ham and all of that stuff dan you want me to tell people about it why don't you tell me? Because I'm endlessly curious. I, I know. With a transition like that, how can you not want more? Anyway, hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider-Slack community is absolutely free to join. And you could jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting, conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and much, much more. Dan. What's been happening in the Slack this week? Mark, I want that intro to our Slack conversation as much as I want more Rec Rack comics. <laughs> or 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 the notes, what the notes is going to say. You want more of this too, I bet, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Mark, uh, this week in the Slack has been a discussion of our thoughts on the Marvels. I say our thoughts. Mark, neither you and I have, or, or I have seen the Marvels yet. Um, and I don't know how eager you are to race out and see it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. I, I'll be honest. Captain Marvel is probably my least favorite MCU movie. And not for the reasons that online trolls would, would have you believe. <laughs> you just but, hate women, um, Dan. I know. I know. That's it. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I, I like the characters in this and, you know, it got decent enough reviews. I, I, you know, apparently it has the lowest opening of a Marvel movie ever. But um, it seems like to be well liked amongst the people on the Slack, and me not rushing out to see it is more to do with my work and being a young, uh, like a father than than anything else. And I I got to admit, the the availability of all these things on Disney Plus has really changed a lot of my habits towards rushing out to see Marvel movies, unless they're going to be a real cinematic adventure and like a James Gunn movie is going to get me there. You know, I I don't know how much I miss Marvel movie is going to going to do it for me yeah anyway if you've seen the marvels and you want to tell me dan you're making a real mistake you should rush out and go see this come join in the fun in our amazing spider slack there's a link in the description of this episode that'll let you sign up really quick as fast as light as spectrum 
would uh, would would have you go. We'd love to see you in the amazing Spider Slack. Awesome, awesome. Well, okay, Dan, let's let's get back to our review here. Let's talk about that gang war interlude. You know, I I, I talked a little bit about the Marvel Magia genealogy about Count, Count Nefaria and Madame Mask. Look, like I'm I'm glad they kind of did it. I mean, at the same time, it's like we're we're really like going to be diving deep into the Marvel underworld here in, in gang war. It seems what, what, what do you think about all of this stuff? Well, I do wonder, you know, I mean, first of all, we had, we saw count nefaria not too long ago in the pages of this title, right? He was a, a fixture in the end of the Nick Spencer run. Yeah, did he get right? his sins back, blasted. I guess, or what? I mean, yeah, he, he did. Yeah. I, I'm, we had talked about how that seemed to have been implied, but not shown. So I imagine that here, you know, this is evil Count Nefaria, you know, with a name like that, uh, you kind of have to be evil. He's not Count Even Benevolent. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Count yeah. Benevolent and so, his daughter, Madam, Madam Wonderful. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I will say, because the Nick Spencer run did not highlight this, is Count Nefaria did use to run the Magia. Like, he was one of the founders of the Magia and is a major player in that. The thing that I'm curious about here is just, you know, my worry about any kind of major event or gang war thing like this, and I look back to, like, Sinister War is, is this thing going to get overcrowded? You know, like, uh, you know, are there going to be so many players in this that it's impossible to kind of keep straight and like, you know, for our audience, I, you know, I think it's safe to keep highlighting like, yes, Count Nefaria was, did run the Magia. His daughter is Madame Mask, you know, two characters that kind of don't have much of a history in Amazing Spider-Man. They're, they're you know, much more related to Iron Man and other various, you know, characters in the Marvel Universe. But the thing that has me optimistic based on this two page preview is the role of tombstone in it, which is to say like tombstone seems to be still, you know, we talked about this last week playing the lackey to higher up powers. And, you know, not just to like keep trumping my theory that Madame mask isn't dead and it was all a fake out. I just don't, I mean, tombstone has long been someone else's goon, right? But I have a feeling that the, you know, the prominence of him being featured here as just a guy that sits quiet as Count Nefaria runs his hand over Tombstone's head, like literally treating him like an object. To me, there's clearly something else going on here. We still don't know who hired Shotgun. He said he was hired by a new player. And I would say Count Nefaria, not a new player, right? So I don't know. I, I just, you said it in your recap. I have a real sneaking suspicion that Tombstone has a bunch of cards up its sleeve that have yet to be played. Uh, what's your read on this? Do you have, did this make you feel one way or the other? I, I mean, yes, obviously. I, I I hinted as such in my 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 recap. I mean, like I feel like we're getting we're going to be getting a lot of um, sleight of hand and 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 subterfuge here. I do share in the concern that you raised about are, are we already overstuffing this story? before we get into it. 
I don't know. I, I you know, and we haven't even dealt with the kingpin of it all yet, which is supposed. I, I, I you know, we're, we're, I'm assuming we're going to get some Wilson Fisk action here. So it's like, you know, we're talking about Fisk and and Hammerhead and Nefaria and Madame Mask and Tombstone and Silvermane. We saw his severed head uh, last issue. I don't know. It, it just seems like a lot. And we're, we already know we're also getting like how many tie-in issues and miniseries all of Spider Island. So like I, Zeb, Zeb's got a lot to pull off here. Uh, I mean, yeah, but there's also like, yeah, the, yeah, the, the Lonnie Lincoln of it all. I mean, there's, yeah, there's a ton and it's like a big mega arc. So maybe there'll be plenty of places for these to play out across a variety of titles. We'll, we'll see. And I think like, and, and I, I don't want to, you know, jump in on, on what you're saying here, but like, or, or steal your thunder in any way. But like, to me, the worry isn't even necessarily that there's too many players. It's that Spider-Man gets lost amongst all the players. Spider-Man gets lost and the focus is, is muddied. I think that's the bottom line. It's like, you know, we can, I think that there is plenty of latitude for uh, a well done street level story in the pages of amazing Spider-Man. But like that, that is contingent on, yes, as you mentioned, Spider-Man and Peter being key players, but also just the story having focus and not like going in too many directions where it just feels like nothing gets adequately resolved. So we'll see. I, I, you know, like, but at the same time, like, I would much rather have a story like this than, frankly, a story about, you know, gods and and um, time jumps and all that other fun stuff that we got in the first year of this run. So bring it on. I, 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 I just know that there are some ever so slight flags being placed here that I'm like, OK, let's see how we resolve this and deal with this and adjust to that. So, you know. Anyway, and I'm willing to give Zeb Wells the benefit of the doubt after the first five issues of his run, the like the one truly grounded street level story that we've got focused on these gangs is maybe the best Spider-Man story in in a decade. I, I, you know, like I, that's probably too much praise to throw at it, but it was like, a great a story. Really we good say story. That. Yes. Yeah. Yes. For yeah. sure. Not a street level villain. But do we want to talk a little bit about the repossessor himself or itself as a villain here? Where does he rank in the pantheon for you, Dan? I mean, top 10 villain, right? I mean, maybe. I, this, I mean, does he replace the scorpion? I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting to see. I'm waiting to see the like, like what the motivation is. Like, I really thought that this issue we would get what the motivation behind this character is. Cause there's clearly something else going on as seated back in amazing Spider-Man number 14. The real question I have here is, do you Mark think that the book expects us to know that he's the collector from earlier on, or are they saving that as the big reveal in this upcoming third issue? Um, because like it didn't really spend much time on that. So it's like, it's not confirmed it, which means like, it's playing somewhat coy. I tend to think that Zeb Wells thinks we're reading these books pretty closely. Acutely. Yeah. I don't know. How do, how do you feel? Like, do you feel like that is a card that's up the sleeve waiting to be played? We're just kind of ahead of it. Or 
we're supposed to know that and and uh, you know accept it and move on accordingly. Um, not not to disappoint you, Dan, but I actually think it's it's the former and not the latter. I think that they're gonna like bust this out as like a shocking reveal in the next issue, and we're gonna be like, yeah, we've known that for two comics now. Yes, I think that f- for close intent readers of Amazing Spider-Man, this this mystery has been solved. Um, but given again, like this, the kind of like low stakes posing posing as high stakes storytelling that we're getting here. I think that's going to be presented as a big reveal here. And that kind of colors me unimpressed. I also think that the repossessor is essentially going to be neutered by Madeline when this is all said and done, because again, it's, it's in the text that that's what's happening here, that she's just going to be like, no, that's not what I asked you to do. Go away. You know, like it, 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 it all seems very cut and dry. Um, but hey, you know, like if we want to get a third part of the story, I guess that's, um, you know, pretending that that is not what's going to happen might be a way to do it. I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like I, it, this all seems very obvious to me right now, but maybe I'm being cynical. <laughs> well, I mean, there's also this whole idea of like the collateral of like him taking Randy and returning to this attic that, again, was seated in Amazing Spider-Man number 14 like, I, I don't feel like we got any additional wrinkles here other than the fact that it seems like he's taking people and he's done it to multiple different people in the wake of, like, you know, capturing these villains. Maybe it's like a trade off of some kind. My big question is, does it actually relate to what he wanted Peter for at the beginning of this run, which seemed very clear to me? He's just there to collect bills and. Frankly, I find this all way less interesting than just a guy that wants money from Peter for his hospital stay. My big question and the real thing that's going to like make this you know, potentially more interesting is if they can yes and that in an interesting way in the next issue. And I don't know that they can. In, in, in other things about the repossessor, I'm glad we're getting a new villain. I don't love this one. I like his look. I like the ghostly pale guy in a kangaroo cap you know like I, I i think that's an interesting looking guy the tentacle mouthed villain thing is a little too busy from like my my liking to want to return to this guy very frequently but you know and mcginnis draws a creepy looking specter of a dude now that we spent more time with him i'm like okay i think i get this guy but for him to be anything worth returning to or caring about they're going to have to pull off a real kind of like hat tr- hat trick with this final issue. So we'll find out. Do we want to get to some grades here, Dan? Yeah, um, I'm going to give this one a C minus. I, I am right there aligned with you. C minus for me. It's slightly below average. Alas. Sorry, Rec Rap. We love you, but not really. <laughs> we love you i still i still like you we right love now, you but... with conditions <laughs> yeah yeah the condition being go away yes well, all right mark why don't you take us home because we have to go away as well yeah indeed well it's that time time for all good things to come to an end so we want to say thank you to you the listeners and viewers for tuning into this episode of the amazing spider talk Yeah, this podcast exists because of listener support on Patreon. For only $3.99 a month, you can help support our show's existence while getting early episodes, including these reviews the same week the comics release. 
also exclusive artwork and a ton of other bonuses. So a thank you to everyone who already supports us and the work that we do. We have no new contributors this week. Cha- help us change that. Get your name on the roster of our Patreon. Awesome. Well, to download our earliest episodes, including interviews with legendary creators like Tom DeFalco, J.M. DeMatteis, Ron Friends, Mark Bagley, David Michelini, and many, many, many more, subscribe to our amazing Spider Talk Back Issues podcast on Apple Podcasts. This podcast episode was edited by Rick Coast. The video version of our show is available on YouTube and was edited by Alex Galucki. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friend, Sal Buscema, and Nick Cagnetti. Our theme songs were produced by Ryland Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. And our animated intro was created and performed by Josh Sutton. And if you haven't yet, please check out our amazing Spider Substack. Uh, that's at amazingspider.substack.com where Mark and I talk about all things Spider-Man that wasn't fit, wouldn't fit into our show. That includes B titles, uh, comics, nostalgia, Spider-Man news, and so much more. So Mark, until we lick the walls of our podcasting studios to determine how evil they are and perhaps how dusty they are, Mm. what's our motto? You make it sound so tasty, Dan. With great podcasts, there must also come... The Amazing Spider Talk. Don't, don't miss the next installment.